So this is another one of those super iconic piano pieces that has a well-deserved spot in the classical canon, the Goldberg Variations. It's a very big work. It starts with a theme, the aria, an instrumental song, and then Bach spins out 30 variations that follow the same kind of bassline and harmonic progression, but vary everything else, like the meter, tempo, melody, rhythms, textures, and patterns. And it's like Bach proves he's the undisputed master of composition in this learned style, using his imagination to squeeze out so many ideas and so much life out of the same material. Like every third variation is a canon, with two voices imitating each other, first in unison, then the next canon variation is in seconds, then in thirds, and so on up to the ninth, just to prove that he can find melodies that work for all of those. And there are variations alluding to different musical styles, like a jig in number 7, a proper fugetta in number 10, and a French overture in number 16. And in the last variation, number 30, Quod Libet, he takes a bunch of popular German drinking songs at the time and braids them together into a soaring musical texture. Now about the name. According to a Bach biography, it came about for the ambassador Count Kaiserling, who had trouble sleeping, and he commissioned Bach to write him a set of pieces that he could have his employed musician, Herr Goldberg, play for him to cheer him up on his sleepless nights. And apparently he was very happy with the result, so oftentimes he had this request late at night. Mr. Goldberg, play me one of my variations, please. And that's how he got the name. Now, the form of the aria and every subsequent variation is two parts of 16 bars each and with repeats on both parts. So if you play all of it with repeats, it can be upwards 1 hour and 15 minutes of continuous music. And for my taste, that's way too long for a modern classical concert. I need much more contrast for the duration of a program. I feel like I'm trapped in a loop when the same harmonic progression starts over 60 times without break. So I will never play all of this in one sitting and I'm not going to concerts to hear it like that anymore either. But to each their own, I guess. Just gonna leave this out here, so have fun in the comments with that one. Now we're almost done with the intro to this video. I'm not going to go through and analyze all the separate variations here either. You'll have to go to external sources if you want to study it in more detail. But I mean, it's nothing wrong with the music. It's Bach, so it's genius, and I really believe that. It's playful and tender and grandiose and virtuosic and sublime. Basically, the whole world in a piece. So it's nothing wrong with it. It's just a bit too long if you play all of it in one sitting. But I will go through the aria and have a closer look at this seed that gives rise to all of the variations. And before we start, I want to dedicate this video to two of my long-standing patrons on the highest tier, M. Thurston and S. Lamb. So we have these long still notes. Serenity, the left hand fills up the chord, one note at a time. G major. And we have two bar phrases, and every phrase ends with a long note, just like a singing phrase. And there's a small appoggiatura that creates a brief tension. But very brief resolving. 
So another two bar phrase. We have a trend going downwards all the time from up here. And again. And also the bass line is going down to start with. And finally, we have this really imaginative configuration of surface notes and ornaments, like intricate rhythmical features. So if you have a text in a song, uh, the different words have different syllables and emphasis, and it translates into rhythms uh, in the rhythmical structure. So it feels like that's what Bach is doing, but it's no real text on an instrumental song, but it is an aria. Okay, after four bars, we go to the next phrase, and now it's pointing a little bit upward. Now jumping up. And really like an offbeat rhythmical. something personal in this music. Anyway, we resolve to G major here. So if we look at the big picture of the structure, we it's two parts and uh, each part is two parts of eight bars. So this is the first part, the first half of the first part. And uh, for each of these eight bars, it's like a point of repose where the music stops and recharges a bit. So here we, it's a clear cadence in G major. So now we start the second half. So still the same pattern, two bar phrase, end on a long note. Here the left hand gets an entry. Okay, let's look at this phrase for a second. So we have this arpeggio and it's very common to hear it as a downward arpeggio. So just do it in the opposite order. And it's very nice to play like that. Um, I haven't really decided what I want to do because it's kind of interesting. I don't think Bach meant it that way because he only writes an arpeggio and I think the standard way to interpret that is to play it upward. But I think it's like someone thought that it was a good idea to play it downward and then it kind of became some kind of performance standard practice. So a lot of people do it. You can hear both versions. It's a really nice thing to do actually. And about the ornaments in general, because there's a lot of ornaments in the aria and they have different signs with like lines up and down and they mean different contours. For example, this one you should start above and make a turn. Uh, and the same here. And then the next one you should start from above and kind of make a trill only down. Or and then the mordant is um, like that. Then you have the uh, the normal trill. 
But even with these signs, there is room for interpretation, like how many turns you should do and for how long you should do them and if they should start on the beat or before the beat. So you can really hear a big variety of different ornaments. I think just pick whatever you feel is right in the music. I know what I, how I like to do them and I think that's fine. So now we approach the end of the first part. Now we get a four bar phrase that's tied together more than just the two bar phrases. And uh, so it's a bit more legato and it's again starting from high up and going down. I mean, it's kind of an interesting rhythm this, uh, from this long note and then as an upbeat like very unusual to have that kind of rhythmic motive, but it's very nice. It really adds a personal flavor to the music. Really waiting for that final D to be resolved with first an appoggiatura and then turn around and a, another appoggiatura and this is D major so we modulate to D major which is the dominant as the end of the first part and last night I thought um, like what is the harmony here normally I can write out the chords very clearly in the analysis and I'm I wanted to do this for this piece as well but well it turns out in this type of baroque music all the voices are melodic and not just harmonic so it's uh, not as straightforward all the time but in the aria we have a clear harmonic foundation that's the basis for all the variations um, so I've come up with kind of the harmony so the bass line is very straightforward you can think of one long note for every bar almost some of the bars needs uh, like two notes sometimes but anyway I made this kind of harmonic reduction that um, I'm going to have it available to my patrons as a PDF page. You can see it here in the video, but I'm just going to play the harmony like as reduced distilled version of the Goldberg. Uh, so it's like four part by I apologize. It's the voice leading isn't perfect because I tried to place the chords where kind of the melody is in the aria. So something like this. Just listen for how the harmony moves. That's the point of this exercise. G major, only diatonic chords. Now for the second part. Now we're modulating to D major. So it's kind of a cute chorale, just playing the chords. Okay, let's continue with the second part. Going back to the original now and play the whole melody. So 
this more movement straight away with a lot of ornaments and a quick scale up. Same kind of motif to close down the phrase. Now soaring up. So at, uh, to start with it feels like a C major. But it turns out it's more when we get the D sharp. It's more like E minor. For the because the D sharp is the dominant, the third in the dominant. So we modulate to E minor is the point here. Because here we have a B7 that resolves here. So here we reach E minor. Now we get kind of a another four bar longer phrase in E minor. Yeah, this is a nice ornament. It's supposed to be like this. Looks kind of off, but that's the that's how it should be. E minor. Uh, we get to the harmony later with the reduction. Also, the left hand gets more active. We have all these entries. Melodic. Like it feels so beautiful, this place in the middle of the second part, but it's just like E minor and the dominant and this, uh, yeah, it's like a half diminished chord. That's probably what, what does it, this, this F sharp minor uh, seven flat five in first inversion to B seven to E minor with the aching appoggiatoras. Okay, now we're in the midpoint of the second part. Now we basically find the way back to G major is the point of this next half. So this is another lovely place. So almost resigned here, but very positive feelings. Um, first inversion chords again. A minor. first inversion and just one more thing about this short phrase if we look at the first four bars of the piece we see that the material the melodic material is from bar two and bar four when we have this and then so he takes those two parts and puts them together into one phrase so start with this that's what makes a resigned character I think and then Because it's the same like descending scale of five notes and it, it's a sequence and a little variation on it. Um, but we, we recognize the material because it's been before. Uh, 
And here starts the final phrase, which is uh, the longest phrase. It's six bars. And we get some new idea, which is a continuous movement of 16th notes. So all the time before, we've had this singing-like aria quality, a lot of long notes in the end of the phrases and a lot of uh, quick ornaments on the surface. But now we get something different and it's uh, like the stable force just pushing forward that's unstoppable. Uh, harmonically, we've been, yeah, we're going back to G major. We get there quite quickly. So here already we have D7 to G. last four bars it's kind of a nice harmonic round trip we reach the G major and then G7 which is a secondary dominant to C it's a four but then straight back to D7 to G okay let's have a look at the harmonic reduction I think this is so much fun to play this okay so remember the melody This is the gold bar aria, this is the harmonic reduction. Modulate into E minor. That's a half diminished chord. Now second, inver first inversion. find a way back. And he actually uh, increases the frequency of the chord changes in the very last bar to emphasize the cadence character. Well, this is, that's me, but here, D7, G, D7. Okay, now I think let's just, I'm going to play through the first variation, uh, but I will only show the score of the harmonic reductions. You will follow the harmony because uh, to, to make the point that he follows this harmony for basically all the variations, uh, not 100% exactly. Some places he makes some adjustments just to make it musically flow better. Um, but anyway, so the first variation is uh, the same time signature in three, but it's a very different character, faster, like a jumpy and lively, uh, a lot of scales and arpeggios in the melody. And we have this like a polonaise rhythm, so. Yeah. Okay, so here we go. <laughs> 